Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Lauren. Mike. How many cups of coffee do you drink every day? You know some of this because you sit next to me, but it's a lot. I'll start with a double shot of espresso in the morning. Sometimes I'll take a travel mug with me to the office, have some more in the afternoon, sometimes at night. Sometimes I have coffee at night or tea, caffeine. Sure. How about you? Uh, I usually drink two cups a day. Okay. One to start my day and then one in the middle of the day. Okay. And do you find that affects your sleep? No, not at all. I already know what kind of coffee you take because I've gotten you a lot of coffee. That's right. You have. You got that me coffee before That actually sounds like this. I'm your, <laughs> I'm like your assistant. I will go with my clipboard and my lanyard and I get you your coffee. But really, I do enjoy picking up coffee for you when I go to get coffee. And you were very much not my assistant. <laughs> You are, however, the co-host of this podcast, and I think we should talk about coffee today. I would love to talk about coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> Let's More do coffee. It. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. We are joined today on the show once again by Wired contributor Joe Ray. Joe, welcome back. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you guys. <laughs> Great to have you back in the lab, Joe. Great to Although have you Although you are not in the lab with us. You are home in Seattle. I wish I was there. We wish you were here too. He's in an undisclosed mm. location. That's right. He's <laughs> in a bunker. So Joe, uh, we had you on this show many moons ago to talk about smart kitchen technology. That is your beat here. You write a lot for Wired in our reviews section and in the gear section about smart kitchen tech. Weird toasters that have apps and refrigerators that talk to you and thermometers that are wireless and all sorts of things. However, you also write a lot about coffee. 
you have been writing about brewing methods, uh, grinders, kettles, all sorts of coffee and coffee-related things for us for years. So we're going to talk to you about coffee today. How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> trying to sound all hepped up. That sounds great. <laughs> Joe, how many cups have you had so far today? I have had two, I think, which is not very much for me. But there's still time. There oh, is man, still time. Joe. Not too, not enough. Right there with you. <laughs> but uh, there will be plenty of uh, thirst making conversation because we're going to talk about uh, various methods for brewing coffee, gear for brewing coffee, various techniques that we've all learned, things that we like, things that bother us. Uh, Joe, I would like to start this conversation with a challenge because I know you're a big fan of French press. Uh, and I cannot understand why you would like French press. So I want to, you first to tell us what you like about it so then, then I can like deconstruct your argument and shoot it all down. Well, first of all, I'm a polyamorous coffee lover, I would say, coffee method lover, let's say. So yes, historically, I'm very pro French press, but I really go in waves. But I'll, I'll work with you here and say uh, I like French press because I can make a uh, an amount yeah, like a given amount, like a half a liter or a liter, uh, and then I can pour it in a uh, carafe and keep it warm. I like the texture of a French press, um, and I think French press works pretty well for dark roast, which is probably my favorite kind of brew. Um, and it's also pretty hands-off, like you boil water, you put the grounds in the bottom of the carafe, you uh, pour the water on top, you stir it up, and then you just let it sit for a while do other things, make your breakfast, like read the newspaper, get your work day going. And then you come back, I don't know, like five to eight minutes later and you press the um, the little handle on the top down and your coffee's ready. Meanwhile. Um, it, it tastes really good. Mean, meanwhile, go ahead. <laughs> meanwhile, your coffee is getting over extracted. Not... It's sitting in the water too long. Mike is starting off with violence. <laughs> Really so is. This is, this maybe is he's thing. had too much <laughs> this is the thing about french press like you know, the french press method it's very it's very beautiful it's very elegant it's a very pure and like old school way of making coffee it introduces a lot of solids in your coffee which show up as either sediment or grit that you can taste mm -hmm. that you can feel also yep. the coffee stays in contact with the water for entirely too long and you end up with over extracted coffee also, Joe, I would argue that dark roast is uh, the the over roasted coffee bean, and that if you're making French press, you should be making it with medium roast or light roast beans instead. But Joe said that he liked the texture. When you said you liked the texture, Joe, is that what you you were actually referring to the the sediment, the sure. overly sedimental yeah. coffee? Yeah, I mean, I think a bit of of what Mike is referring to is the fines. There are oils because of the um, the filter on a French press is metallic. Um, and if it's not over the top, some people enjoy them, and I do. Um, I feel like Mike was kind of bulldozing his way through all the reasons why he didn't really like these things. But like you mentioned, Mike, over-extraction, and that's something you can avoid if you brew it right, uh, if you don't let it sit too long, if you brew using the right temperature and the right grind size. And then also if you, once you've depressed the lever and the brewing is over, then you pour it out into a, a different carafe, then you can have, uh, you essentially keep the amount of time that you're brewing finite. 
period. Right. Okay. Hmm. What about an AeroPress? What's the difference between a French press and an AeroPress? Ah, Joe, you can take this one. Uh, an AeroPress uh, involves pressure. So they are pretty similar. Like you put the grounds in, you pour the water over the top, you let the uh, them do what's called bloom, which is when uh, they sort of off gas, they release gas, you stir and let that kind of dissipate. And then you let the rest of the brewing happen. Uh, AeroPress is generally smaller than a French press, unless you have a very tiny French press. Um, AeroPress is usually just for one person. And for those who don't like any sediment in their coffee, any fines to get in there, the AeroPress is used as a filter. It's a little paper filter, just a tiny version that you could use uh, like in a, uh, in a coffee maker. At the end of the uh, brewing time, then you press it, you use your own muscles and you press down and you force the water through the grounds in directly into your cup. Okay. I love an AeroPress. It's also, it's like you, plastic and compact and it travels really well. Mm -hmm. So you can bring it to like hotel rooms. You've or brought Airbnbs. it just to the office before. I have. I have one. I keep one at the office. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you walk around with your little, and I'm like, what is that? Because it looks like a lab uh, beaker. It does. Look it like looks a lab really beaker. cool. And you're like, it's my AeroPress. And I'm like, oh. And I, I never understood actually what the difference was between the French press and the AeroPress. Huh. Yeah. It's, it's mechanically different, although the brewing. Uh, sort of the way that the coffee interacts with the water is is similar. And you could say it's similar in most ways of brewing, but I think in those two, it's it's pretty close. Yeah. And it's got a filter. Yeah. And it's got the filter. So, Joe, if you don't have access to a French press or an AeroPress, what kind of coffee are you going for? Are you a drip coffee guy? Do you have to have your espresso? What's the next best option for you? I think when I'm at home, I prefer a drip machine, a coffee maker. I have the OXO 8 cup, which is my favorite. It is allows you to make both a large full carafe of coffee and a single cup, which is a pretty neat trick um, as it's hard to do both well. And it does both pretty darn well. Hmm. Yeah. And that's there are a lot of coffee machines out there that are that are getting on this uh, trend of being able to make one basically a mug full of coffee for you in addition to a fuller carafe. But it's really kind of a hard thing for manufacturers to get right. Right. Oxo and Braun also did one a few years back. Um, and I'm happy to see that slowly we're seeing more and more do it. Um, but it's pretty tricky because you essentially need two different brewing baskets and maybe even different filter sizes. Um, so the one that I use has a large filter size and a smaller filter size. Um, but it's, it's a little bit fussy. Like my dad, for instance, just it's a little too much for him to like, he's, he's not that into coffee and he just wants to make a pot. And so when for him, I just tell him how to make a large pot and he can make a half pot and doesn't, that doesn't really change anything. And I just ignore the kind of like the single cup option for him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or you can just get like a $17 Mr. Coffee. You could. And which is, yeah, which I used for a long time. Those machines do a pretty basic thing pretty well. Yeah, they do. I once rigged my Mr. Coffee pot with a bunch of sensors so that <laughs> I was using like smart things at the time. Oh, yeah. So I put some sensors mm -hmm. around my apartment. This was this is almost a decade ago. And it was like the whole idea of doing Internet of Things and smart gadgets around your home was a novelty. So then I when I got up and got out of bed, like an alarm went off and then there was a motion sensor and like the coffee pot 
automatically turned on it was just it was just a matter of triggering the on off switch really so you had to still prepare the coffee the night before and it, was, it was all very rube goldbergian it wasn't super sophisticated um but oxo i would never have thought of that brand as making a coffee maker mm-hmm. i mean they have totally taken over our kitchen has anyone done that story yet <laughs> No, that's a good story. It is Joe. a good story. <laughs> Joe, what does your next couple yeah, of weeks look like? <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Truly. I, I think you're right. They've done a really nice job. Their timers are really good. So a lot of their utensils are really good. I I'm not sure what they're doing differently or why the competition is not keeping up with them because it's a huge market, but Oxo is doing particularly well. Yes. Mike, you also love pour over coffee. Yes, I do. I'm a pour over coffee devotee. Why is that? Uh, well, uh, it's it's slow. And well, I, actually, maybe that's a good place to start. What is it? How does it work? <laughs> pour over coffee is a method of brewing where you make basically one or two cups at a time. Uh, you can buy a little pour over filter holder where you put a paper filter, you put your coffee in it. And this little contraption just fits over a mug or your travel mug or a little carafe. Um, you put the the coffee grounds in there. You pour very slowly water on top of the grounds and you do it. You pour it in a way that the water never really gets to the top of the cone mm-hmm. and there's always water in the cone. So it's like a very slow, mm-hmm. consistent pour that lasts about two minutes. So it's tea. You're making tea out of coffee. No, because tea. You're pouring boiling hot water over the thing that's in like a sleeve. It's 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 fancier than that. Lauren. Oh, this is what I'm saying. It's, okay. it's so much fancier than that. Tell <laughs> us about the gooseneck kettle, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, you can use any kettle you want as long as it is as long as it's a gooseneck kettle. Um, they do make gooseneck kettles, which are exactly what you think they are, that are made for pour over coffee because you can control the speed of the pour, and it's all about finding a water flow speed and a grind size and a grind a coffee amount that the three of them together makes your ideal cup of coffee. So if you're the type of person who is like not satisfied with the different coffees that you get, then you're a pour over person because you have total control over how that coffee tastes, how strong it is, what the extraction rate is and how much of it you're drinking. So what does the speed have to do with it? Are you whispering sweet nothings to the coffee grounds in that time? Like careless whispers and like, why does it have to be slow? Why do you need the gooseneck? Well, if you just dump all the water in there. Uh-huh. Which is inevitably what I would do. Yeah. Which is like, you know, what Chemex, some Chemex people do. Chemex is a pour over style coffee okay. device, if you're not familiar. Um, it's what my father does when he makes coffee. And I tell him, you got to pour it in a little bit slower. Um, if If you just dump all the water in there then you end up with coffee that is watery. You end up with uh, coffee that just tastes kind of papery and flat. Hmm. Whereas if you pour it in slowly and you control the rate at which the coffee interacts with the water, then you just get a, a better extraction. You get a better cup. And so you do this at home? Yes, every morning. It takes forever. <laughs> Does it Two go? minutes. How, how long? Just... It's like I would rather I would rather walk away and do other things while my coffee is making itself, which is, you know, why I like French, French press, press. and why yeah. I like AeroPress. But what what is really fantastic about a pour over is that you control all of the variables in coffee making. You control the grind size. You can control the temperature of the water. You can control how fast the water flows to the grounds to make sure that you are 
taking full advantage of the grounds. So you don't want, if you poured, to, to answer your question, Lauren, if you poured water over the top of the grounds all at once and it all kind of like ran through quickly, you're essentially like wasting coffee because mm -hmm. you are, it's all just going to like run through and depending on the speed and the size of the grind, of course, like it just won't have enough time to put the coffee into your water to create your cup of coffee. The coffee dissolves, there are solids and gases and uh, oils that all end up in your cup. And if you pour the water over too fast, you're not getting as many of them as you want in your cup. I have a question for both of you that I think is going to be controversial. What's that? Well, how do you feel about cake cups and espresso pods? Oh, my goodness. Can we take a break and come back, right? <laughs> <laughs> we need an entire segment. Let's take a break and come right back and answer that question. Okay. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I, N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Okay, K-Cups. How do I feel about K-Cups? Well, K-Cups actually put in a different category from Nespresso Pods, but they're pods. They're all pods. Pod-based machines, K-Cup-based yes. uh, machines, I, I don't see any place for them in 2023 or 2024 for that matter. I've gone the way of the Christmas tree in Mike's mind. <laughs> You'll have to have listened to our earlier podcast to get that reference. I feel like they're, they're not only wasteful, uh, but they don't really give you as good of results as you can achieve with something that requires a little bit more attention, just a little bit more work, and is less wasteful. Joe. I can't get over the waste. I just, mm -hmm. I I think the coffee is at best almost invariably kind of blah. It's very convenient. You just like, you put the pot in, you close the machine, you make sure it's got water in it and you hit the button and you walk away and you come, come back and your coffee's done two minutes later, or however long it takes. But I don't, think the quality is very good and really it it's really for me it's just the environmental end like somebody has to make that plastic thing the little container that it comes in and the foil top or even if it's like an environmentally compostable thing like that's getting shipped around that's getting made there's all this extra energy that's going into making this thing that really just makes crummy coffee like why not do, why not use something like I use the OXO or even an AeroPress which is maybe a little more effort yes um, but the 
coffee is exponentially better and you're not uh, killing the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use Nespresso pods. I and probably have- You're killing the world. Many a day. I'm trying to think of how many I, I have per day. At least four. Four? Yeah. Four Nespresso pods in, in the world now yeah. in landfills every day. Well, and then to Joe's point, Nespresso does give you for free these recycling bags that you can put all the pods in and then drop it off your mailbox or UPS or something. And supposedly it's recycled. I have been tempted to put an air tag in one of those bags just to see where it goes to track it. We should do that sometime. That's do a little wire. I'd buy that story. Yeah. 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 No one else steal my idea now that I'm putting it publicly out there on a podcast. <laughs> but I have been curious to know whether or not it actually goes to a recycling plant and what happens to it. And to Joe's other point, it's not the greatest coffee in the world. It is incredibly convenient. Mm-hmm. I got the Nespresso machine as a gift. It's great to have at home when you're working from home and you just need a quick shot of espresso or two or four. I've been wondering, Joe, actually, if I wanted to upgrade to something that actually means I am grinding my own coffee. I am tamping the grounds. I am making real espresso, but I don't want to go over the top or I can't afford like a big, big machine, nor do I have the counter space for it. What, like, what's the next step up in your mind? So it sounds like you're talking about getting a home espresso machine. And I will say for me, I would rather have just a good way to do uh, regular brewed coffee. So like, an AeroPress or a coffee maker or a pour over. Joe, that all sounds great, but I just, I just really want espresso. Yeah, but the thing is, when you talk to baristas, you ask them what they have at home and they're, you expect them to have a little espresso machine and they don't. I mean, sometimes they do if they're really, really into it. And sometimes if you're a real big coffee nerd, yes, you can have an espresso machine at home. But it's really really difficult to make good espresso in your house. And even baristas will just say it's better to just once in a while go to the coffee shop and have the experts make it at their machine, which they can calibrate every day and kind of like make sure that the grind size is correct. And like if there's atmospheric pressure that's playing into it or the particular ground is older or very fresh, like all that stuff really plays into, especially with espresso, all that stuff really plays into the quality of the final product. And I've had espresso machines at home and have tested a bunch of them for Wired. And I just, every time I have them, I like them and I can get them to make decent coffee. But the number of like really fantastic shots of espresso that I have pulled with machines at home is like I could count on one hand. I can wow. I do a lot of them are just fine. No one would ever complain about them. But like the really, really good ones, the one you would pay good money for, like I've done that maybe a couple times. And it's just, there's so much work. It's so much extra equipment. Like you have to have the special grinder. Um, you need a decent machine that has enough pressure. Like it's a very expensive proposition. And unless you're really into it, like if you are really into it, go for it. Um, But if you're not, I would say try to find something that's a little more suited to just kind of getting on with your day, let's say. Wow. Joe crushing my Nespresso dreams. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. This is all good. You know what? And 
I'm probably not going to get super, super into it. I'm not going to have the time to become the home barista that I would like to be. And I do like going to coffee yeah. shops. So, but another part of, of the whole, just go to a coffee shop and get, get a great pull of espresso is how expensive coffee has gotten. <laughs> it truly has. Why I, is it so expensive? I mean, we should mention we're all city people, right? Like Joe, Joe lives in a big city. We live in a big city. We have all of these fancy, fancy coffee shops around. And like we're it's used so to. It's so cute when Mike calls San Francisco a big city. It is. Please I continue. Mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a medium sized city, but we do have we're a fancy city, so we have a lot of fancy coffee choices, right? Uh, and the thing is, like I, I I'm I'm used to paying a little bit more for coffee because we have such a high cost of living here. But then I go somewhere else that does not have as big of a high cost of living, and the coffee costs the same amount of money. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you travel anywhere now and you get a latte and it's six or seven bucks. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? There's inflation, there's labor, there's shipping is more expensive because the price of petroleum products are, are higher. There's a lot of things that go into your cup of coffee that maybe you don't think about. Yeah, this is, I mean, I have to say like growing up, my family did not drink fancy coffee. My mother's family ran basically a delicatessen and they served like jet fuel. Mm -hmm. Like it was not very good coffee. And when I first tried coffee, that is what it tasted like. And then, you know, I moved to New York City and I was getting like cheap coffee from the coffee cart on the corner, also like jet fuel. And then when I finally started making my own, it was like a pretty, you know, it was a pretty like inexpensive drip coffee kind of situation. So the fact now that I like fancy coffee is a bit of a problem budget wise. <laughs> I wish I didn't like it so much, but I really do. But it is so expensive. Yeah. The Washington Post just did this great article on it recently, just a few weeks ago talking about all the factors, Mike, that you've mentioned going into the, the cost of this. And climate change is part of that, too. Just mm -hmm. add that to the list. And yeah. So like a cup of pour over coffee, right? Like something where the, the person working there, the barista, has to stand behind the counter and pour hot water over the grounds for two minutes is like a $6 cup of coffee now, which is a lot because it's, it's just water with some solids in it. Uh, but it's it's you know, you're talking about the labor and you're talking about maybe this place roasts their own beans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into just like coffee. I'm making air quotes. It's a it's a an audio medium. So I have to say that I'm making air quotes. But that's that's the way that we view coffee is what you're talking about that you grew up with this this like very kind of cheap sort of commodity that is uh, ubiquitous and is universally available to people. And then like. You know, coffee got fancy, coffee got expensive, and now everything is fancy and expensive. Yeah. There was a quote in the Washington Post article that basically said, nobody thinks about coffee as a luxury, and they should. Mm -hmm. Joe, do you think coffee is a luxury? I, yes. I mean, I I think I invest in coffee in as much as I get nice beans to brew with at home, but going to a coffee shop for a coffee is a special treat. Um, I got, I used to work in all the time. I used to do so much of my work pre COVID, I would say in, in coffee shops. Um, but yeah, it's really expensive. Like if you get a couple cups, cause you're sitting there and you should, cause you're using their space. Like that's a lot of money that, mm -hmm. that really adds up over, you know, a day and then a week and then a year. I mean, that's a, several grand, a couple grand. That's a lot of money to spend on a drink. Um, where at home I can economize a bit more and still get a really nice quality product. 
Um, but I do love, you know, like once, I don't know, once a month or two, I'd like to get a latte. It tastes really good. Some <laughs> professional makes it just for me. They put the little like fancy foaming on the top. Like it's fantastic. And then like, you just go back to making good coffee at home unless you're using K-cups like Lauren. <laughs> oh, he keeps saying K-cups. It's really hurting my heart. I don't use K-cups. They're basically oh. the same thing. But they're right? aluminum. They're not Is there plastic. a difference? <laughs> there, is a, there is a difference in material. There's a difference in the type of coffee it is. There is a difference, but... That's it. I'm forever branded in Joe's mind as the cake cup, Lauren. That's you. Um, can I, speaking of cake cup, reminded me of something else. Joe, did you know what Mike's name is? When we go to a coffee shop together, the name that he gives to the barista that they can eventually shout out to let you know that your coffee is ready? Uh, nothing that I would be proud of saying on the air. So no, I don't know. Cupcake. Cupcake. Guarantee you Cupcake. there's nobody else in line waiting for a coffee whose name is Cupcake. Because if you have a That's name, Joe, maybe you can relate to this. If you have a name, there could be very... five of us in the shop. Exactly. Exactly. So why give them your name and take the, you know, do the whole thing where it's like, what did you get? Oh, is this yours? Is this mine? I don't know. I think you were in front. You just <laughs> give them a name that it, nobody else has. Cupcake. So we'll be sitting there waiting and all of a sudden the baristas go, cupcake. <laughs> everybody. Cupcake. I feel um, like everybody should have a good every, barista yeah. name. Yeah. You know what my barista name is going to be going forward? What's that? Boone Ashworth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's our producer. So we're just going to go to the coffee shop and just to hear the person go, Boone Ashworth. <laughs> Coffee's ready. Uh, Joe, I have one final question for you before we take a break and go to recommendations. Um, recently for mm -hmm. Wired, you wrote for us a buying guide to help people navigate the world of the AeroPress. And mm -hmm. we have talked a lot about AeroPress during the show. Uh, I think you and I both agree that it's a great way to make coffee at home or on the road and that most people should have one because they're relatively inexpensive. And if you like coffee, it's a good thing to have in your lineup. So which AeroPress is the one that people should consider? I would say uh, I'm going to narrow it down from three. So bear with me. Um, okay. There's the original, which is the full size one which makes one full mug. There is the Go, which is a little bit of traveling and comes with its own mug, but it's a little smaller. Uh, but the, roughly the coffee quality is about the same. And then there's a new one called the Clear, um, which is like the original, except it's see-through, which is nice because then you can see what's going on and like make sure you've got all the grounds up from the bottom corner. And, um, and it's just kind of nice to see like, how things are working inside there. Um, but when I was brewing with it, the clear, I had a little trouble with the seal uh, where the plunger comes into the brewing chamber. Um, and you do this thing called the inverted method where you brew, essentially you brew it upside down, which keeps anything from like dripping through. Uh, it is, is impossible. Um, but the when you do inverted, you uh, just do everything upside down and then you flip it over and you press out the coffee into your cup. And that seal, when you're doing the inverted method on the clear was not really good on the unit, which was a full production unit that I tested. Um, so if they resolve that, that might be the one to get. Um, and if they don't stick with the original, unless you travel a lot, at which point you just get the go. I How's that? Three answers for the price of one. That's that's good. And and I also agree with you. I, I personally, I push people towards the go uh, just because uh, even if you don't travel a whole lot, it it like packages up inside of itself. 
the whole right. brewer fits inside the little cup that it comes with and it comes with a little lid. So it's just like one right. thing that on your shelf instead of like a couple of things that are a little bit awkward, which is what the original one is. Right. Right. I wish the I wish the go they made a full size go. I would get there. that would be the one I would recommend. There you go. But still, I, like the original packs up pretty well. The go packs out perfect and the clear the verdict's still out. <laughs> Joe, I think you may have convinced me to just go with the OXO for coffee. Hey. Yeah, I'm going to give it a try. Congratulations. I can't make any Welcome. promises. I may still use my Nespresso aluminum pods which are not K-cup pods. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Got to keep it real here, but I'll I'll give the OXO a try and let you know what I think. I'm wondering That's how great. much more acidic the coffee is going to be too. That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other Depends podcast. Depends on the coffee. Yeah. You'll have to come back and tell us, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back with our recommendations. Hey, everybody, it's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. All right, welcome back. This is the third part of our show, the recommendations segment. We have been talking about coffee the whole episode. So now let's expand our view a little bit and talk about things that are food or drink or kitchen related that we might want to recommend to people because we are entering the holiday season. We're entering the uh, the time when you have people over or you may be giving a gift. So let's stay in the kitchen because we have our kitchen expert on the show today. Joe, what is your recommendation? I am going to cheat and have a couple, but I oh. will go quickly. Um, the first one I will say is a tiny stocking sized uh, book called Craft Coffee, a manual that is by Jessica Easto. It does a great job. I've had this for years and it does a really good job of kind of like describing what's going on in your cup. So like the first half or so is all kind of like the technical information all about brewing and then from there in the back half or third, she gives instructions for how to brew a good cup of coffee in several different kinds of coffee makers. So she's got the Chemex, uh, she's got a Molita, she's got a Aeropress. Um, she doesn't do drip filters or percolators or anything like that. Um, but it's really good because it just gives you a great place to start and it's just compact and it's a really great reference. Uh, she also has a new book out that's called How to Taste Coffee, which I haven't even had the time to dive into yet, but I'm really excited about. Um, and then to go more with the holiday theme, there is a book that I is probably one of my top two of the year and it's called Company by Amy Thielen. It is a cookbook. Um, it's really about like how to cook and throw a party um, and do a good job of it without stressing yourself out too much and really cook fantastic food. I had this on my radar, kind of on the periphery of my radar for months and just was like, it just wasn't calling me yet. And then once I finally got a copy, I just, I disappeared into it for a week or two 
And even my sister, who is not cookbook forward and is a great home cook, uh, she saw it at my house one night and just kind of went quiet for a half an hour while she checked it out. <laughs> it's really, it's for people who know how to cook and are confident cooking at home. Um, it's a little bit advanced on the technique side, but it really helps you think how to get through a whole night with food that kind of like plays off of one another. So it's not, you're not ending up with too heavy of a meal. Um, and it's just, you can tell it's someone who is an excellent cook and loves to, and can really describe how to make you a better cook at home. It's great. That's great. I love that. I would be remiss to not mention that uh, that selection, the company cookbook, is also in the uh, recent roundup of uh, your favorite cookbooks from the year that you wrote for Wired. Yep. it was. We had so, so many good cookbooks this year. Uh, I think it was probably due to COVID and maybe some supply chain stuff, but it is 2023 has just been a fantastic year for cookbooks. And I it looks like it's already kind of like expanding into 2024. It's really been exciting to see so much good stuff come out in the past year. Great. Great. Lauren, what is your recommendation? My recommendation, if you're looking for a food-related stocking stuffer to give to someone or just to bring as a little housewarming gift to one of those holiday parties that you're going to, is honey. I'm a big fan of honey. I have lots of different jars of honey. I buy a lot of local honey. I tend to buy honey wherever I go just to try the local stuff. One of my favorite spots is down in um, Half Moon Bay here in the Bay Area, where I get a lot of honey from. And you can get different kinds of honey, uh, eucalyptus honey, sage honey. Um, and often you can find local honey jars that are like pretty small, right? I mean, they might not pass through like TSA muster. You might have to check your bag. But you can definitely fit some in a stocking if that's the kind of vibe you're going for. I would say the only caveat to that is if you're bringing a gift to a staunch vegan they may not like the honey because vegans don't eat honey. They have vegan honey now. Bee-free honey. Really? Yeah. What is it if like it's bee-free honey? Yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, mean, I, it may be agave syrup. I don't really know. But uh, huh. I saw it I, I, I saw it at the store. Uh, weirdly, it was like in the case where they lock the expensive honeys, which is like a thing now at my grocery store. So I wasn't able to check it out. But yeah, they do make bee, they weirdly they make bee free honey. Although I think most vegans have gotten used to agave syrup instead of honey as like a drippable brownish sweetener. True. Very true. And I think I think, don't quote me on this, I don't want to be spreading disinformation, but that agave syrup has a lower glycemic index too. I have also heard that. Yes. Yeah. So it must so, be true. Must be true. That's two of us. Uh, look that up. But yeah, so honey. And then I have a second recommendation, which is a callback to our show with Joe from a year ago. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. I recommend getting a box cutter. This is not a kitchen gadget. Last year, you oh guys my were making God. fun of me <laughs> saying, do you cut your potatoes with the box cutter? No, I do not. Of course, Although maybe that's why my last potato-based recipe didn't turn out so well. But truly, this box cutter, if you don't have a box cutter at home, or once again, if you're looking for a gift to give to somebody, perfect stocking stuffer. I just used it this morning when I was hauling the trash out and needed to cut down some boxes. It's so great to have, like, if you receive a lot of packages, if you just, if you need to break down the recycling, if you just need to do some anything around the house, really, that involves opening a box, you should get a box cutter. And I will link to the one that I have. So those are my recommendations. Very nice. Mike, what's yours? I'm going to recommend a cookbook. Okay. 
Uh, it's a cookbook that has been out for a little over a year, but I have been cooking from it over the last year. And uh, I feel like I'm at a place now where I can say that if you are a an adventurous and fear, I would say fearless cook. It sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Then you should check out Mission Vegan, Wildly Delicious Food for Everybody, written by Danny Bowen and his co-writer J.J. Good. That's good with an E at the end. Oh, I've emailed with JJ. Have you? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I think we did a whole like RB related thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, uh, Danny Bowen is uh, the chef who started uh, Mission Chinese, which started here in San Francisco in the Mission District, hence the name, and then moved to New York and got popular. Uh, and uh, that book, that Mission Chinese cookbook, is an excellent Chinese cookbook. There's a lot of meat stuff in it. So I have that cookbook. I've only made maybe like 10 things from it. This book, however, is entirely vegan and it opens with like, no joke, like a dozen kimchi recipes. Your favorite. Yes. So I've made most of them and they're all excellent. And it's if it, 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 this book has done nothing else for me, it has changed the way that I view kimchi and the way that I make kimchi for the rest of my life. It also has all kinds of great things in it. It has dumpling recipes. It has noodle recipes, obviously a lot of like stir fries and salads. Uh, it's just a wonderful book. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, when are you going to bring some of that stuff into the office here? Uh, I believe I believe the, um, the, the pickles that I make are no oh. longer welcome in the office because they are kind of funky. <laughs> complained about the pickles i'm not you could well names. like if you lose Wait. your job then you could like open a little stand called mike's funky pickles mike's funky pickles <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my that's my weekend gig man anyway it's a great book uh i would say i i did have to say that if you're an adventurous person then it's for you because a lot of the recipes are kind of complex uh there's also a lot of ingredients that are difficult to get if you don't live near uh, a Chinese market or an Asian food market. Um, the internet is wonderful and can send you things from just about anywhere in the world. But some of these things are are pantry items that um, you would have to buy in significant quantity uh, if you're going to make a lot of recipes from this book. So if you are already familiar with Asian cooking and you do a lot of Asian cooking at home and you happen to not see meat as food, then this is a great book. Hmm. So props do you go, to, which market do you go to here for that? Najaya? Uh, yeah. I go to Nijia and I go to I go to H Mart. Oh, okay. The Big Mama. <laughs> nice. That sounds great. Thank you for that recommendation. Of course. And that is our show for this week. Thank you all for joining us, Joe. Thanks for coming back. Thanks. So, Lauren, one of my favorite ever moments on the pod was when you were closing up, and there was a pun that was related to coffee. Do you remember this? What pun? Pun was related to coffee. Here I'll use I'll use video too. Okay. We've got to go back to work. We've got to go back to the grind. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been falling off of my puns. This is a good <laughs> reminder of this. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for being such a loyal listener. And Joe, we, we, <laughs> God, that joke was quite poor. Hashtag dad jokes. Um, we really have to have you back on the show more often. I say that. <laughs> to almost everyone who comes in the show <laughs> but i really mean it with you joe <laughs> i really do thanks lauren yeah thanks, please, nice please to come to san you. francisco and visit us again soon sounds great yes, thanks for being here thank you and thanks to all of you for listening if you have feedback you can find all of us on the various social medias that now exist in the world just check the show notes we'll put the links there our producer is boone ashworth and we will be back with a new show next week until then goodbye
Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.